Elliot, Rogue One is out, and it seems like the only thing people can talk about is the fact that one of the characters from the original movie is is back in this movie, despite the fact that the actor that played them has died since then. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit freaky to see how far uh, technology's come. I mean, who would have thought that uh, you'd see Peter Cushing on the big screen again playing Tarkin? I mean, that's got to mean something. I'm a little worried because, you know, now that this has happened, we're only one step away from Alec Guinness coming back to dance with a vacuum cleaner. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. You may fire when ready. Geek Counter Geek number 77. Keith Conrad at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. Joined, as always, by Elliot Serrano at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Follow the show at Geek Counter Geek. Uh, Facebook, Geek Counter Geek. Um, email, Geek Counter Geek at uh, Gabatron.com. Although I haven't mentioned that in so long that uh, I would imagine most people have forgotten about that by now. Well, you know, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always harass us in many different ways. And, you know, Geek Counter Geek at Gabatron.com makes it official. It does. It, it it really does. So there's really, I mean, is there any story in pop culture other than the fact that Rogue One came out, or is that that, that pretty much it? I, I believe I saw 155 million for the opening weekend. That's not too bad. Not bad. I mean, they were t- they were saying that uh, the Rogue One numbers. I mean, I know the Disney folks were being very conservative. In their estimations, they weren't expecting Rogue One to do the Force Awakens numbers. Um, but you know, again, Star Wars got people got people talking. Talking it really just sucked the air out of anything else that came out this weekend. It really did, and uh, which is which is interesting because you know it, it's not even the the sort of main event of Star Wars. So you know, God forbid what it. You know, what it's going to be like when episode eight comes out next year. And were you surprised at all that there hasn't been any, you know, like, like, I assumed when we got to Rogue One that there was going to be some sort of teaser for episode eight and it just didn't show up. Uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel, DC, Disney. Uh, the Disney yeah, same difference. Really, yeah. They're playing their cards close to the vest. Uh, they know that, well, you've already got uh, uh, one Star Wars event. Um, you're right. It would have been kind of neat to do a little, well, just a little bit of episode eight. But uh, no, I have a feeling you'll probably see it with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in 2017. And when is that in 2017? That's not until the spring, May. right? Yeah, May. Yes, but, so, you know, you'll see. Then I know, uh, uh, when was the last time they did the teaser it's uh, been during um well it seems like everything happens during monday night football (laughs) it does doesn't it which which is it it sort of makes sense when you think about it because monday night football is an espn espn is owned by disney so of course it's going to be on monday night football why wouldn't it be 
Right. So it'll be like the new season of Monday Night Football or something. Well, you know, somewhere along the line, you'll have a brand new trailer. Uh, yeah, although I, th- I think that we'll have, uh, well, geez, I would hope we'll have a new trailer, at least the, the first teaser trailer for episode eight before we get to NFL season. Because that's right. a long way away. Well, you'll have your teaser with Guardians, and then you'll have your big trailer with um, with um, with Monday Night Football, like the beginning of the, the football season, and then you'll have yet another trailer. Again, these movies don't really need that much hyping. Look at what Rogue One had. I mean, <laughs> you know, people waited and waited, and boom, you get a trailer here or there, bam, 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 boom. And again, 160 million later, and counting, you know, I, I will give them this: um, the the promotional uh, uh, machine behind Rogue One did not get as ridiculous as it did for The Force Awakens, and maybe they're learning that they just don't have to push them as hard. Because let's face it, Star Wars movies are critics' proof. You know, they're. You can pan a Star Wars movie and say how terrible it is. People are going to ignore you and still go. So, really, all you need well, folks to know is the date. Yeah, well, when you th- when you think about it, Star Wars fans a little like uh, a little like Donald Trump fans in that uh, if if the if the movie critic comes up with something bad about the Star Wars movie, everybody goes after the critic instead of looking at what the critic said. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, our our, our movie is the best movie. It's a spectacular movie. You've never seen a movie like our movie. It's huge. Yeah. So, well, I you know, maybe they had they felt like they had to do a little bit more of a sales job on The Force Awakens because of the prequels. And, you know, not, now that they had that sort of some, some amount of goodwill, they felt like they didn't necessarily have to do that this time. Yeah, I mean, I think now, though, you're seeing with the, the two films being released, I mean, um, The Force Awakens itself, you're right, it had to, it had to kind of set, set the stage, and, you know, on the one hand, I said, guys, this is a movie that people have been waiting, you know, decades to see, you don't have to push it as hard. Um, in retrospect, you sit and go, well, it wasn't so much that they were pushing it for the established Star Wars fan, as it were for, you know, folks who'd never seen Star Wars movies. Um, I have this discussion all the time with folks. They go, oh, you know, oh, wow, so what? You're in the Star Wars. Everybody's in the Star Wars. You know, folks, the reality is that there are more people who have not seen Star Wars than have seen Star Wars. So it's not like um, it's this universally accepted brand. It's uh, people are aware of it, but let's face it, not everyone's actually seeing these films so it's a little like sort of the sci-fi version of citizen kane everybody's aware of it but not everybody's seen it exactly yeah that's actually a very good parallel um and uh with rogue one because they had the double the the double duty of not only trying to push a star wars film but also get folks to realize it wasn't um a sequel to the movie they just released um, that it was, you know, a different chapter in a different period of time. And on top of that, that it was the movie that led right up to the original Star Wars, um, to A New Hope. So you've already got one one series of prequels that lead up into A New Hope, and now you've got this one that is actually a direct prequel to A New Hope. 
Hey, direct brief, but I, I had to, I kept telling folks, you know, I was, guys, this movie literally ends right where A New Hope begins. So if you, if you had seen the very first Star Wars film, this movie tells you everything that happens right up to the point the movie starts. So, um, and, and, and I was finding folks who were surprised by that. And they were like, really? I go, yeah, no, it's, it, it legit ends right there. You could when you get Rogue One on home video, you can watch it. When you pop that Blu-ray out, then pop a new hoop right in, and it picks right up. And uh, although I'm not sure the transition between the two films is going to be as seamless as some folks will say it would, it'll be. Um, yeah, could be. Um, it, it it's interesting to me how. This movie is supposed to, you know, it's the very first spin-off movie. It's it's the first Star Wars movie that isn't, you know, it, it isn't directly, you know, sort of the Skywalker saga. And so you're establishing sort of like a new sub-brand. And yet it seemed to me like the branding for this movie was completely haphazard. Like there was... You know, because of the fact that they were eliminating the crawl, you would have expected something to replace the crawl. But instead, they did a scene and then just a, a, a title card with like, you know, some some nice music behind it. And that was it. And they were back into the story. It was like something that they just like, like they planned on doing a, making a, a nice intro for it, but just never did. And like at the last minute, they're like, oh, my God, we don't have the title of the movie in this at all. We need to put something in. <laughs> And it just it just struck me as odd that that that, that it, it, to to me at least I don't know about you watching it maybe you're not paying attention to something like that it just seems so haphazard to me I was I was very surprised by that oh I was paying attention to that <laughs> oh you were okay it wasn't just me yeah, there were no it wasn't just you it was kind of strange because um there were yeah see this movie had. Well, it, it wants to distinguish itself as bit a bit different from the from the saga films, but you know, but you still want it to be a Star Wars movie. Um, th- this movie was supposed to be the antidote to everything that <clears throat> the Force Awakens was not. I mean, you know, you had lots of folks who complained that the Force Awakens was too much like you know Star Wars, too much like A New Hope. It was. I'm just constantly re re um, recycling themes and and images and imagery and all that from from the Star you know from the saga films the previous saga films so it's like you know uh, you know there was nothing new there was nothing original and you'll have those folks who felt that way about the Force Awakens will say that that Rogue One was wholly original. Which I will yeah. disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was it was funny because if you look at uh, at both uh, uh, Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, they do basically the same thing. Where it's just you know they'll do a scene and then you know there's sort of this flash of oh Star Wars Rebels, and then uh, and then they go they go back into the story, and it, it almost seems like that's what they were going for, but they just kind of threw it in at the last minute, and you know that that's not. At the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal, but it, you know, like I said, it surprised me because, it, you know, you're you're trying to create this new sub brand, and they didn't, you know, I would have expected more of a reference to, you know, a Star Wars story or or something like that, but 
no i mean i wouldn't say it was a disappointment but it was surprising the least they could have done was have the rogue one title card in the star wars font it was a completely different font right that threw me off and i kept waiting for a star wars story to like fade in underneath rogue one it never happened like so yeah these are just little details that i don't know you do go in with certain expectations, and you do go in thinking it's, there's going to be a certain comfort level with it. And um, I, I, they're just—I'll get into it. But thing, there were there, little things kept happening from time to time that pulled me out of the story. Yeah, and uh, so you know, speaking of branding, um, we should mention that we are a part of the Radio Misfits uh, podcasting network. Speaking of things that pull you out of the story, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, also the home of, uh, of of your personal favorite, the Dishing Bitches. Dishing Bitches, those gals are the greatest. I mean, you know, you have the Dishing Bitches, uh, you have Minutia Men. Oh, I finally feel, I'm, I feel great that, you know, Minutia Men, that, that the pun behind their name actually makes sense to me now. It just shows you how, <laughs> how utterly um, not... Not that intelligent I can be. Is it? Is it sarcasm is like puns? They're a sign of intelligence when you get it? Uh, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. <clears throat> and, you, and then you can hear all the great stuff that uh, happens here on the, pod, on the uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network on uh, some headphones from Tweaked Audio, you know, sponsors of... Geek Counter Geek. If you go to tweakedaudio.com, you can order headphones that have key features like eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions. They are designed to sound great for music and talk. Um, you can hear me make bad jokes in uh, full depth and stereo. <laughs> now I'm reducing the guy. Hey, I'm the, I'm the one who made the joke about Obi-Wan Kenobi dancing with a vacuum, so... You know, I don't think we have to worry about your bad jokes. <laughs> and uh, they have noise reducing design. Hopefully, they can also reduce the groans you'll hear in the background from these bad jokes. And a lifetime warranty. If you use discount code GCG at checkout, you'll get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. Again, that's discount code GCG for Geek Counter Geek. Go to tweakedaudio.com. And remember, the code is not case-sensitive. But that's, that's like the worst tagline ever because they, the, the, way, the way you said it. The, remember, the code is not sensitive. It's like it's the tagline for Tweaked Audio or for Tweaked Audio. Many, many boffins died to give us this code. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wrong movie. Yeah, sorry. That, that was close enough. Wrong, you know, that character was in the movie, though. So that that's close enough. Um, so so let's talk about <clears throat> let's talk about Peter Cushing. So that that actually came out quite some time ago that he was going to be in the movie. I don't think anybody quite knew how much of a role he was going to play in, and it ended up being a really big role, and that surprised me a little bit. And it also surprised me that uh, you know a lot of people were distracted by that and. As you said before, it took him out of the movie um, when Peter Cushing showed up because Peter Cushing did pass away quite some time ago. So, you know, 
getting him to star in a movie despite the obvious handicap of being dead that's uh, that's a good get on the part of lucasfilm <laughs> well folks who've been watching the rebels uh cartoon series know that they you know tarkin has been playing a part in the in the in the story and um you know they've they've got some uh is it peter stanton i believe is the name of the voice actor who um, voices Tarkin for Rebels and um, does an excellent job of, of doing the Tarkin dialogue, sounding just like the, the late, great Peter Cushing. Um, and that's what I kept flashing back to as I was watching the CGI Tarkin in Rebels. You know, there were some scenes... Well, that, that when you first see the see Tarkin, he's not even facing you. You see this um, very faint... You see the back of his head and his reflection in the window, and um, I kept thinking that, oh, look, it's Tarkin, and he's talking, but we're not really going to see him, and it's probably the, the most of him we'll see. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I thought the same thing, and my reaction was, oh, what a great way to do that, because he's, you know, you're, you're acknowledging that he's there, and he obviously would be there, but then you basically give all the bad guy moments to Director Krennic, who's played by a guy who's actually alive. And so you can do a lot more with them. But then they, you know, they went and surprised us all by just just throwing Cushing in all over the place. All over the place. And it makes me wonder if maybe that was part of the reshoots that took place. Um, oh, it could that, very well that, be. That they, that they were talking about. Because to me, I mean, I just found, well, the, 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 the two issues I had, one was that um, there were times when the, the CGI was distracting. You know, there were times when, wow, wow, they really, they really captured the likeness of Peter Cushing. It looks like he's there. And then there were times where it looked like CGI. And then, yeah, then the, the, the presence of the Tarkin character really does undercut the director Krennic uh, character, you know. He is supposed to be your big bad. He is supposed to be the, the prime antagonist of this film. And it seemed like it's it suddenly the all the focus got shifted to Tarkin. Yeah. And the other one, wow, geez, that was an interesting choice. Well, I did think it was interesting. I It was interesting how they handled it. And I thought that they did a pretty good job of that, which is basically that, um, you know, they're kind of jockeying for favor with the emperor and vader and you know by the end of the story tarkin wins and that's why you see him in a new hope and not krennic yeah but i kept waiting you know it seemed like tarkin wasn't so much involved he just comes in and he takes over yeah he right. just takes over a project that he knows very little about and yet when you see him in a new hope um he acts like he knows everything. Well, that's and a I typical supervisor, for, though. Uh, yeah. Well, I kept waiting for Admiral Monty, you know, to show up. You know, the one who's bragging to Vader about the, the superior, you know, nature of the this, this battle station, you know. He degraded the most powerful weapon in the galaxy, you know, the most powerful thing in the galaxy, and, and Vader decides to choke him. Yeah. And I'm like, where's this guy? He, he, I was there going, if you're going to CGI the crap out of something... He's a guy who should be showing up at one point and having the back and forth with Krennic or ha have him show up with Krennic and talk about it a bit. Because you know, he seemed to be the, mo the, the, the real zealot 
behind the whole project, and we don't we don't even see him. Yeah, and even though he doesn't really explain much from a technical perspective, you sort of get the feeling that he's the guy in the room in that meeting that knows the most about what the Death Star can do. So you're right, that would have made some sense. Yeah, so then you set him up um, as opposed to setting up a, a character that you know we knew absolutely nothing about leading up. It's And I guess you know this is a nerd in me, too, that I wish they had done a little more to incorporate how um, the Death Star plan, how Leia got the Death Star plans as they were shown in um, the Star Wars radio drama, in the very first Star Wars radio drama. Um, and they, they really, they kind of threw that out, you know, that little tidbit. Right, so I, um, so I guess that isn't canon anymore. Nope, no more. Too bad. And then uh, the uh, bit with um, the design of the Death Star, that actually was explored in the Star Wars Expanded Universe in some of the books. I want to say it was the, um, in the, um, the Jedi Academy trilogy that Kevin Anderson wrote, if I remember correctly. So, you know, you can tell they were kind of revisiting certain things that have been explored in the books, but they, you know, as you say, um, dismissing previous versions, establishing a new canon. And I'm like, well, you know, this is, eh, I guess, if you need to do that, I, there were some, there was a bit where I thought, oh, I, I thought they kind of did it better, you know, the original way, the way they redid it, did it maybe, you know, kind of lost something. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when someone tells a joke that you've heard before and they don't tell it as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I saw the the movie with a group of people and um, one of them, it was it was her first Star Wars experience at all. She was one of those many people you were talking about earlier who hasn't actually seen a Star Wars movie. And since this was a, you know, spinoff, she didn't have to know anything about it theoretically to to get what was going on. She decided to go see that one. And she also didn't know that uh, didn't know enough about Peter Cushing to know that he's he's uh, no longer with us and she actually didn't realize that 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 was cgi so it was it was good enough that she didn't even notice that and it's interesting because you know i know you said that uh, it it took you out of the story i know a lot of other people who have said that but to me i was less distracted by uh tarkin than i was the the leia scene and she literally just says one word but to me, that just looked completely fake. And, and I, 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 I just off the top of my head as I was watching that scene, I was thinking of 32 different other ways that they could have filmed that scene that would have been a lot more effective and looked a lot more realistic, including just having someone hand it to her from behind where you don't see her. Exactly. Kind of like with, with Tarkin. It seemed like they, they pulled the same stunt both times. You know, the, you think, oh, you're not, they're not going to turn, ar- turn around. You know, there's really no point in us seeing their face. You know, you're right. If they just hand it to her from behind and we hear, you know, it's... it's yeah. whatever, and, and I think what, one of the things that um, uh, with, with Tarkin is, and, and maybe just after years of working in radio, I'm a little bit more attuned to how audio works and everything. Like, if they would have tried to take actual lines from Cushing and edit it together to be you know the lines that they needed it would have been absolutely horrible but i think it turned out a lot better that they actually just had a voice actor you know doing the lines 
in a way that was passable as, as Cushing and you know instead whereas with Leia they actually did just take they they clearly took one of the times where she says hope in one of the other movies and put that in and I think that to me that made that bit a little bit more distracting when you've heard her say help me Obi-Wan Kenobi you're my only hope countless times and you can pick up that's the hope that they pulled right exactly like the, the yeah. least they could have done is taken another carrie fisher movie where she happens to say the word hope <laughs> just find that clip and use that so it sounds just a little different so at least you're thinking oh i guess they used a different take of her saying hope as opposed to it being the exact intonation that she uses for uh you know help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope well, they did that for some other characters. I mean, you had Gold Leader reappear, right? You had yeah. Actually, um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the pilots, uh, presumably the ones that survived, you know, they they showed up later on. And yeah, you're right, they did do that. And that was, um, uh, from what I understand, that was old. That was unused footage from A New Hope that they you know repurposed. They cleaned it up digitally. Uh, did a little did a little trickery with it to make it look like new footage, and they had uh, dialogue then. So I thought that was really clever. The fate of Red Five, poor Red Five. Well, we know why there was a job opening. Well, we also know that if you're kind of an overweight uh, X-wing pilot, you're not going to make it very far. Or you know, Porkins didn't make it. Red Five didn't make it. You know, God, good lord, I'm not getting into an X-wing anytime soon until I lose a good twenty pounds. Which I always wondered was Porkins a Nick was Porkins like his call sign or a nickname or was his name actually Porkins because you know that that means that naming naming choices in the galaxy far far away are, are just a little mean. Well, we're talking George Lucas here. Well, that's yeah, true. Yes. His actual name his actual name was Jack Porkins. His name is Porkins. <sighs> oh, George. <laughs> to the, to the, to the, what, why is there why is there fat shaming in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> there you go. To me, the, the the thing that got me about well, I mean, I think if you see as many films with CGI as as I have, you really do start spotting it over time. And again, I think with Peter Cushing, there were times when the CGI was dead on and perfect, and he looked. You know, it looked as good as it could get. And then there were times when it just did look, you know, like a CGI character. And yes, the uh, bit with uh, Leia at the end totally um, was CGI to me. And I'm like, did they get Carrie Fisher and de-age her like they did um, Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Civil War? I think they would have been a lot better off doing that. Yeah, right. Or did they get, you know, an actress to stand in and they put Carrie Fisher's face over hers? Well, I um, actually, I just happened to know that they, that's what they did, uh, which is essentially what they did okay. with, uh, with, uh, with Tarkin. Uh, they actually had another actress who stood in and then they just, they just um, you know, they just CGI'd Carrie Fisher's face on her. Well, the thing that got me, and when it finally came to that last scene and it, and it hit me, because uh, that final act um, in in Rogue One, if it's if anything, that's kind of what redeems the film. If, if 
if you're one of those people who needed the film to give you something to redeem it, I mean, to me, the big battle at the end was what did it for me. All right, you know, the, I have, a, I and I'll be honest, so even that I had issues with, and it wasn't <laughs> until it wasn't until Carrie Fisher, or sorry, uh, Princess Leia, and the CGI Carrie Fisher shows up, that it hit me. I go, oh my goodness. For these past 20 minutes, I feel like I've been watching a Star Tours ride. Because, <laughs> you know, it, that's not a bad comparison. Right. It felt like a Star Tours ride. And at some point with all the ships going back and forth, I kept waiting for the speeder, you know, the speeder, the star speeder to shoot through the screen. Because at some point, you know, they're going to do a Rogue One scene on Star Tours. <laughs> Yeah, and especially uh, the scene where the uh, where the Star Destroyer, you know, I mean, literally jumps out of hyperspace right in front of the Rebel ships and, you know, a, f- a few of them crash into it. Hopefully not the ghost being one of them. Um, you know, that really is something that would happen in a Star Tours ride. Right, and, I'm there, and, I'm, and then you're going to have, like, maybe Red 5 go, hey, Star Tours, you're in a war zone, you know, something like that. Or, <laughs> or have a KS-20, you know, the, the, the robot who stole the show. Talk about CGI that was utterly convincing the entire time, though. Um, um, K2SO, uh, voiced by Alan Tudyk, uh, yeah, that was that was impressive. That was well, really, really impressive. Yeah, one reason that worked is because they weren't superimposing a, a a human face on him and trying to make it you know blend in and look like it. He just had to look like a droid, and so I think that's a little bit easier than trying to mimic a human face. Alan Tudyk has a quite inhuman face. Yeah, they, there's uh, no there's no uncanny valley when you're looking at a robot. So. <laughs> so. Yeah, the, the, those were the high points. I mean, I kept wondering, are they using animatronics right now? And Alan Tudyk is just doing the voice act off off uh, off camera, or or is this all CGI and and it's just that good? Um, having uh, uh, Donnie Yen uh, show up and do the blind uh, the blind warrior monk, you know, again, really get. Yeah, although he did, I think he did wear the the white contacts that made him look blind. Yeah, you would think that you know, with uh, CGI being what it is, he goes, "Hey guys, you know, I don't want to wear these damn things. They're really uncomfortable. Can you just CGI my eyes into looking like I'm blind? You know, can you do that for me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 2016. Come on, guys. Yeah, make it do do that. For, just do that for me. All um, right, so. Let's, so before we go, I do want to talk a, a little bit about about uh, Darth Vader, and I mean, since you were talking about the uh, about the last scene there, let's let's start with that because you know I I think that's the scene of Darth Vader that everybody everybody has wanted to see for forever, right? Oh yeah, no, that's what people wanted from Revenge of the Sith that they never got. Well, I mean, they they sort of got it in the in the scene where he was, you know, killing all the separatists. But I mean, not 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 really. You're right. Um, to to me, I I thought that that um, you know a, any other problems that I may have had with uh, the movie going into it. I think that that last battle and and the last couple minutes there really um, uh, 
you know, really, really sold it for me because, you know, I, um, when they're trying to get the door open and eventually they're just like, here, take this. And, and, you know, that's how they get the plans out. Um, yeah, to, to me that, that really sold it. And, uh, you know, Darth Vader showing up and just literally like grab force grabbing everybody's guns and just wailing away at, at rebels. That was, that was pretty awesome. It, it was one of those bits where, you know, you really should be like going, no, 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 it's the bad guys. And then, but in reality, everyone was going, yes, 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 it's the bad guys. Well, well you talked about that with, uh, with Star Wars Rebels when, uh, when Vader showed up initially in that series and you know he was he was flying a fighter around and just just beating the daylights out of the poor rebel fleet and everybody was cheering him yeah uh, it's that he is that character that that character that we just um it's not even love to hate we we love to love him um <laughs> yeah but and, and that, that's to me though the thing that kind of got me about uh, rogue one when i ultimately leave the movie theater and um, spoiler, I mean, we've, we've, you know, for those who haven't seen it yet, we've, we've, I think we've kind of stayed away from any, any, you know, real spoilers as the plot points. But um, this is a big spoiler here, so stop now if you haven't seen it. Um, but yeah, everyone dies at the end. They do, yeah. Yeah, and and I was there going, whoa, this is probably the most depressing movie I've. The most depressing Star Wars movie I've ever seen. I mean, it depressed me even more, uh, almost, I don't know if even more, but to the same level as the Han Solo death of The Force Awakens, you know? Also, because spoiler I, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. To me, the thing with The Force Awakens was that I never, you know, I, I, I needed to get my up moment from that, you know, from the death of Han Solo, the sacrifice of Han Solo. And I guess the fact that Luke Skywalker returns is supposed to be that up moment, you know, the bit where you're like, okay, um, this happened, but look, Luke has returned, and now we can see setting things back on the right path again. And that's the bit with Rogue One, where, you know, all these characters pretty much, you know, give everything, make the ultimate sacrifice to get these plans to the, you know, the Rebel Alliance so that they will stand a chance um, against uh, the Empire ultimately. But it, it seemed to me that it just was such a down moment. Everything was so down, so down, so down. The death of, of K2SO, the Iron Giant moment of the movie. That was like, probably, you know, like, I, you had to kind of know going into this movie that that was going to happen. Because, I mean, the, oh, yeah. the, these people obviously would be bigwigs in the rebellion, and we had never heard of them before. So clearly, you, you, you'd, you'd have to gird your loins for all of them dying. That was the one that I, that I was bummed out about. <laughs> That's what I was saying. When kids go to see this movie, when K2SO dies, or, I mean, is deactivated or whatever, I mean... He's a robot, so he technically doesn't die, but still it, it, a droid. Sorry. You know, it's that um, attitude that's going to lead to the to the robot uprising, Elliot. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you, you know, little kids are going to be bawling over that. You know, yeah, 
Cassian and Jen dying on the beach in the in what I call the the deep impact ending. It, it really right? was, yeah. It's the deep impact ending. I was like, guys, you're doing the same ending as Deep Impact here. <laughs> and I was going, was that another reshoot? You know, is it is it what, what was coming up? Where did this idea? Why did they do this? We've seen this already. Um, so, so the deaths of all these characters are happening in excruciating ways. They're just, you know, just kicking you in the gut one over and over. And then, and but then you're like, okay, oh, deep impact ending up, oh, Iron Giant ending up. Oh, you know, this is this is happening. Oh, the 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 the, the poor guy gets blown up. You know, in the, in the you know in the uh, troop carrier. You know, out of nowhere, you're like, holy crap. This movie's bringing me down. So when I have to cheer for Vader, <laughs> yeah, they, they had a That's moment. <laughs> and, and you know what? That was it. Was probably best that they had it in that order, because if, if they would have uh, if they would have had Vader, you know, a little bit earlier, right before everybody else dies, and and then you know you've got to you got to live with that at the as the last thing you saw. Um, I would. Yeah. I'll say I would have done it. Vader kills all of them, you know, because I was thinking there's this first, there's a scene when the death troopers first hit the beach and you see the black boots as they're coming off the transport. Mm-hmm. For a moment, I thought I saw Vader's boots like in the back. And I remember I was sitting there and I went, oh, my God, these guys, they are so dead. Vader's there now. And I yeah. thought if you're going to if they're going to go, that's the way they go. Taking on Vader. But Vader cuts them all down, left and right, left and right, yeah. left and right. And, and I had heard, I had heard, you know, somebody who was less, um, you know, less worried about spoilers getting out had had said that, you know, one of Vader's scenes is he's he's wiping down, you know, wiping out re- rebels left and right. I assumed that that was how that was going to play out, uh, you know, because we had seen, you know, pictures and, and video of Death Troopers on uh, on Scarif, and I assume that was going to happen. But yeah, you're right. That that would have been a much better ending. You know, they they should clearly talk to us ahead of time instead of us talking about it after the fact. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but you you were setting up Do- the Donnie Yen character versus Vader through the whole movie. Yeah, it, yeah. that by the way is uh, is one thing I had a bit of a problem with. I know that uh, you know, sort of the joke is that uh, you know. Stormtroopers are a little fragile. They, you know, they tend to, they tend to, you know, like a, an Ewok can hit them with a rock and they die. But I mean, he literally whacked these people with a stick, and somehow they were knocked out. I don't get that, but you know, it's a, something I was willing to overlook. Suspension well, uh, my, of disbelief. My, well, no, I get you, but my, I will. I'll have you know, I have put on the uh, TK helmets, and if, if someone hits you in the head while you're wearing one of those things, you feel it. So uh, you know. okay. Uh, okay, fair, fair enough. They but, don't absorb concussive blows very well. <laughs> but um, so the the one thing that I, I want to mention before we head off into the sunset on this one was um, the other scenes with Darth Vader came no about midway through this through the movie, and it turns out that um, you know we we get to see Darth Vader's house, and it turns out that he has a um, he he has a, a house. And while it's not explicitly said in the movie, he built a castle on Mustafar overlooking the, the place where, you know, Obi-Wan cut it, cut pretty much everything off of him. And why, of all the title cards 
for all the different planets that they show, this was the one planet where they don't have a title card. You know, I think it was precisely because the minute the title card comes up that says Mustafar, the entire audience just groans. <laughs> because I don't think, oh. you know, I don't think we're far enough along in the story that everybody would have been like, okay, this is good. We're happy with this. I, I'd like to know, okay, I once went on a camping trip and burned my hand, and I wouldn't go back to that camping site ever again. So why is he building a, a, a vacation house on Mustafar? I just don't understand it. You know, still got a picture of Padme up on a mantle over the fireplace. Those fond memories of, well, I remember the last time we came here, I choked my ex. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Gabatron.